0: Right. You're written
2: Good morning and welcome to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. We had to rush to our seats because of all the celebrities out in the lobby. Well, that was fun talking to uh, Doc and Doug. It, it was, and uh, I never met Doc before. I've known Doug for years. So, uh, yeah, that was good. That was, I wish I'd uh, heard that whole show. But anyway, we got a room full here today, and we appreciate everybody joining us for Start Your Engines. Good morning, Greg. Good morning to you. How you doing?
3: Well, Doing pretty good. All right. We got, a little, we got a little bit of infection in my from eating the pollen, but other than that, uh, we've had pretty good luck with uh, rounding up some real good celebrities today, and we got our new guy coming on board. And Gene. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway. You can call him Gene. Yep. Uh, Gene's going to be a big
0: asset to the team, and... and uh like now, for the next 10 years gene you're a new guy
2: yeah
0: <laughs> i can i, can, I can deal with that well
2: you just took over from me being a new guy and welcome to eugene uh thank you well, <laughs> welcome to eugene welcome to eugene. <laughs> welcome to eugene that's probably never been said before but uh yeah I, I, if you didn't get a chance to see last sunday's paper i was of course i've been reading your stuff for years like i said and uh and your uh, your write ups last week were excellent. I just I loved reading about it. And we got a two hour show today, so Gene's going to be on a lot, and he's going to do a whole segment in the second hour. Uh, catch us up on what's
4: happening locally. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've took some notes over the last few days, hoping uh, give everybody some good information. Uh, what's coming up today and uh, over the next little bit. So looking forward to it. Glad to be here. Well,
2: if anybody remembers. The 1958 Southern 500, which they probably don't other than me, it was a wreck fest. They had so many cars wrecked that day that uh, I can't remember where they had the next race because it was like in the middle of the week when they used to race like a 100-mile or at Concord or someplace. But they wrecked so many cars in the 58 Southern 500, they almost didn't have enough to have the next race. And, Greg, that's sort of what I was thinking about from Daytona
3: last Saturday night. They tore up some cars. You know, me and my man were sitting there watching it and off and on, and it really looked that way. It looked like, you know, some of this stage racing and everything, it it seemed like it sped them up. It still confuses people, but that's the closest I've seen, like I say, since Perry's on about 1958. Uh, I, I don't know if I was at that race or not. Well, if you were, you were one year old. If I was, I was one year old with my rubber britches, and 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 now you're wearing them again. And wearing them again, that's right. That's <laughs> just right. kidding, just kidding. But just kidding. Uh, no, no, it's true. But uh, <laughs> but the thing, the thing was, uh, they were getting real close to not have enough. And if I think they had one more, don't they limit it? The, the, the the two two tries at the green white checker now?
2: Um, no, didn't they go to unlimited? I think they went to unlimited.
3: They're gonna but anyway you uh they
2: you're had, right they uh they didn't have nobody left to they didn't run. have that was the problem they't anybody to wave the flag at
3: i know it i know it and uh really it it
2: was a a good f a good fight you know it was a good race it was entertaining, that's for sure, but you know what else um we've been talking about the same three guys dominating uh Truex Harvick, and Kyle bush and uh, and it still came down to Truex and Harvick. You know, they were two of the three, two of the survivors. And, uh, I was kind of glad that neither, neither one of them won. And, uh, Eric Jones got his first win driving, um, driving for Gibbs. And he's the one that, uh, unseated Matt Kenseth in the 20 car. Yeah. It, it was, like I
3: say, it was, it was an exciting race. But it, it I, like Perry said, but I didn't have enough cars to, to finish that deal. And, uh, had
0: some had some wrecks. You know, everybody walked away. Thank goodness they did. And uh, well, I'm a I'm a casual enough fan. I loved watching when they have wrecks
5: like that. I get when, too, people, when nobody gets hurt,
2: nobody
0: wants to see anybody get hurt. But my God, I
2: got tired of them last week. <laughs> well, the thing about it, you usually know at Talladega and um, Daytona, they're going to have the big one. But I mean, this was multiple the big ones. I know. I'm pretty sure one of those wrecks had at least 20 cars in it, and maybe, maybe more than one. The other one, I'm, I'm sure had at least 12 or 12 or 13. So I mean, you're talking about 35 cars right there that, in one way or another, were in was involved, and they they didn't
3: go out of the race. All of them. Some of them did, but that's that's a lot of cars. That's a bunch of cars, and you know somebody got to pay for those cars. And them being Daytona cars, there's extra. Even though we work in a, in a closer. Closer box as far as aerodynamics and zero tolerances, but you still do a whole lot more to the body when you're running at Daytona and Talladega, and uh, that was some pretty that was a very expensive race for some cars. Very
2: expensive, and I hope uh, I'd, I'd say we can pretty much count on um, Nelson in our last segment of the first hour having some good information about uh, about what all went on down there and uh, the ramifications for what it will mean at Kentucky, which is where they are tonight. And um, Kentucky wouldn't be too bad of a track. It's a fast track. It's a it's not Daytona or Talladega, and it's not a slow track like Martinsville. But there's there's a pretty good opportunity
3: for some payback here. Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, there's some controversies going on up around Charlotte that Nelson uh, Clue was sent on. And uh, you know, we're working on getting Menard, but we couldn't get uh, Paul Menard with Wood Brothers at this point. But I did talk to Wood Brothers, and they said. That, uh the stage racing you got to really watch what you're doing in other words it's it's different than being it's different than getting out of sync uh on a road course and uh but paul minard apparently from from talking to len and we see it on tv in certain segments but he is actually very much more competitive than he looks why well, he looks pretty competitive. Yeah, I know.
2: I, I think he's going to win one. I, I sometimes have a trouble with the Wood Brothers having a yellow car because of that Menard sponsorship. But, uh, no, he, he's
3: more than holding his own, and I think he's doing a better job than he did with Childress. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, as Leonard told us here, you know, uh, several weeks ago, he's a super, he's a good, great talent. I mean, you don't... You know, he won Indy. He won Indy. And uh, he's just been running real good with the Wood Brothers, but because of the way the cautions fell and the way of the rules with the stages, they were in a pretty good position to win that race down at Daytona. And things fell wrong. Yeah. And uh, they said Minority even got, he he actually got a little bit angry for the first time. Yeah. So, and they... Well, getting a little bit angry can make you a better driver. You can't
2: keep taking it. You know, know? you got to, you got to say enough's enough and and maybe even dish it out a little bit. He's been around a long time.
3: He has. He has. I mean,
2: and he he needs to,
3: this is the time to step up your game. Well, he's he's stepping it up and and they say he's a great communicator with the crew chief, you know, about what he wants on the car. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot more potential in Bob Menard than what we ever thought. Uh, I mean, I always thought he was good. But. Well,
2: the thing that Paul Menards had to fight, and he's not the first one, and he won't be the last one, but it's his rich daddy. I mean, they can... Not that he's ever done this. I'm not saying that. Right. Uh, but, I mean, he they could buy a ride if he needed a car. You know, Menards is a big chain up north. We don't have him down here too much that I'm aware of. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, along the line of Target and stuff like yeah. that. And... Uh, I mean, Paul Menard wants a ride, you know, somebody could write a check and he'd have one. But he's had to prove himself and, yep. and, to me. And um, he's really only had the Childress ride. And now he's got the, uh, he's, he's switched to the Wood Brothers. And so I think it's time to, you know, it's time to, to go. He did win Indianapolis. He won it fair and square. Yeah. But uh, they had a race last night. And I was actually downtown at the freight yard watching David Ball, so I Where, missed
3: it. Don't mention that. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. <laughs> I, I was supposed to win, and you kept reminding me. Well, and the thing
2: about it, David grew up with uh,
3: with Greg and I yeah. right there in
2: Fernwood, and we played
3: with him all the time. And I, I uh, know it. I felt bad for anybody feel- listening, and, and you said that all our friends from Fernwood were over yeah, in there, an except, awful lot except of for them. me. Well, and, uh, and Sam. Me and Sam. Well, we we have... We'd have Black sheep of the neighborhood for right now,
2: but the good news is,
3: and uh, we're not getting
2: paid for this. Uh, David's been a friend of mine for fifty years. He's there again tonight, so you still got another chance. It's a great show, and uh, and I don't know if you remember Uncle Walt's band, but they had Champ Hood, and both the oh, yeah. Champs' kids are you know play with David and um, the fiddle player uh, and and the other guitar player, and it's a it's a great show. But my point is, I didn't go. And watched the uh, Loudon race last night. Uh, Not Loudon. (laughs) um, Kentucky Xfinity race. I've got Loudon written on top of my page here to tell me where they are next week. But um, about all I can tell you is Christopher Bell took the lead with 17 laps to go from Jason Allgaier and um, won the race. Other than that, I don't know a whole heck of a lot. Jeremy Clemens was uh, 18th the last car on the lead lap.
0: Have they done anything in Kentucky about the entrance and egress of fans? Because, you know, when they first opened that track to NASCAR, it was hell on wheels getting in and out of there. I remember that. But Have they done anything to improve that? I don't have any idea,
2: but I know somebody that can tell us. uh, That's another Nelson question. That's another Nelson question. And uh, to go back just a second to... uh, Jeremy Clements, he is 18th in the point standings as well. And, uh, you know, he's just, uh, like I said, he's probably waiting on Elkhart Lake because <laughs> uh, he's he's heck on those road courses. and uh, Real good up on that one. Jeremy's our, our local man, and we're going to keep up with him every week as long as he's out there doing it.
3: So uh, Somebody sent him some money. That's all he needs is some sponsorship. That's well, hard to find it. That's, that's all that, that team lacks. Well, they, uh, they're... Uh,
2: with everything that Gene was telling us about last week with building everybody's engines and everything, uh, uh, you, you know they're a top-notch, top-notch team and all they need is the bucks. But uh, we're going to take a break right now, and uh, we didn't even mention our special guest our, uh, for the show, and it's Ricky Rudd, who was one of Bud Moore's drivers and a great guest, and he will prove it as soon as we come back from this first break that you're listening to Fox Sports Spartanburg. Want to talk racing
1: with the guys? Call the SignForce hotline now at 864-468-1400. Start Your Engine returns in a moment on Fox Sports 1400 and 98.3 FM. <laughs>
6: Steve and Jerry here from the world-famous Beacon Drive-In in Spartanburg. Jerry, the Beacon opened back in 1946. How many years have we been serving great food at great prices? A-Plante. Seventy years. How many folks are we still serving every week? A-Plante. Well, like you always say, I like my job, but I love my customers. But can you say something other than a-Plante? Oh, it. Join Steve and Jerry at the world-famous Beacon Drive-In, John White Boulevard in Spartanburg, where the food is still always good since 1946. Speedy Lubin and Inman says,
7: to
2: save time. Welcome back to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. And at this time, I am so pleased to uh, introduce you to a good friend of the show. We've had him on before, the author of 23 Winston Cup victories, Ricky Rudd. Good morning, Ricky.
5: Hey,
2: guys. How you doing this
3: morning? We're doing great. Yeah. Tell you what, Ricky, appreciate you coming on. And, uh, like I say, there's so many things. I don't know where to start. Exactly. You've been <laughs> Iron Man, uh, most competitive. You've been the Rooster, you, you know, Ricky's done it all. Rick, Ricky's done it all. I, I was just, I'm trying to remember how you got to start. You was basically, uh, uh, I think was the reasons you had such good stamina, uh, even though you were smaller, you were awful strong, and, and you didn't need power steering, but didn't you rate dirt bikes or something? Yeah, you got I that?
5: did, Greg, and I, I was hoping you weren't going to go through all the long list of people I drove for. We'd be I don't think you got enough air air time on the show to, to cover all that. Well, as a
2: matter of fact, we got a two-hour <laughs> show today, so we can do it. Go ahead.
7: <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, we don't have uh, to go that far. Yeah, no, no. It, uh, you know, really, at the beginning is just... You know, I knew I was going to race when I was a kid. I just I, I knew what I wanted to do at you know six, seven, eight years old, and luckily I was able to you know had a lot of people help me along the way, and um, I guess I showed a little bit of promise when I was younger, but started racing go karts, and then uh, from the go karts I was running those and and motocross, and I wasn't I was okay in motocross, but I wasn't that great. I never really pursued it because I you know uh, I like it, but I was cars is where I wanted to be. So luckily I. I ended up with a lot of good people, mainly family behind me. My family helped, helped me with my early years of racing, and that kind of got me going.
3: Yeah, i tell you what, you've done an excellent job everywhere you went. And I do remember, uh, see, it seemed like the first time I saw you drive, he was driving Bill Champion's car. And uh, I think I'm correct. Uh,
0: I remember that. or something.
2: I, I remember him at Rockingham the first time I ever saw Ricky run. He was in a red and white Chevrolet number 22. And I, I wasn't familiar with, with Ricky Rudd at that time. And I don't know if that was your first ride or not, but it, it had to be close to the beginning.
5: Yeah, I was probably a couple of years in. Uh, the first time I drove for anybody was Bill Champion.
8: That's
2: what
5: Greg uh, remembers. Yeah, matter of fact, I think the motors, uh, uh, Bud, uh, Greg's dad, Bud Moore, used to, I think he helped champ with the motors he champ couldn't ever have enough money to, to afford all the motors so he'd buy parts and put them together himself but yeah it was uh at Rockingham, north carolina i was scared to death i'd never been in a race car period and next thing i know i'm at Rockingham, north carolina racing against you know petty and allison and pearson and all those guys so it was a little intimidating and i got through it as lucky i i, I survived and finished 10th or 11th that day i remember that yeah,
3: so, it was pretty- that, that was tremendous because Rockingham's a hard place to, to finish or do anything and uh, yeah, you, you carried Bill's car for,
5: uh,
3: a, a real good ride that day, but, uh, yeah. you're right. You a know, lot of
5: people don't, a lot of people don't realize that, uh, Bill Elliott, his first years in cup racing, the first time he hopped in a cup car for, I think first two or three races in his career. Actually, he drove the same car, Bill champion's car shortly after I drove. Yeah,
3: one. You're right. I tell you in the car that y'all built, uh, uh on your own, that 22 car, uh, that thing would go. I mean, you, you, you know, y'all you, you had a pretty good thing going there. Uh, I think you and your, bro- your brother drove it some. Think, yeah, like- it
5: was mainly just a group of, you know, like I say, family members. We worked at my dad had a salvage yard, junkyard, and and uh, none of us really knew what we were doing. My brother was a great engine builder. <laughs> he just built uh, hot rod motors and doom buggy motors and things like that. And, and I was good at driving stuff and tearing up stuff. You know, I, I was good at doing that. I could take stuff apart, but I didn't know how to put it back together. So that, he kind of got the role of playing the crew chief and uh, working on doing most of the technical, mechanical. And I learned how to do different stuff on the car and eventually learned how to work on the chassis a little bit. And uh, neighborhood friends, uh, Cliff Champion from way back. And it's it just a group of guys that had a lot of desire and not really any know-how, know-how but we sort of learned as we went along.
2: Well, I, I bet you somebody else that I know had, a, had to have a big influence on your life and, uh, and you drove for a little bit. And that was uh, Junie Donlevy.
5: Yeah, Junie was, uh, we had carried our family operation as far as we could. We, and our goal was to win Rookie of the Year in 77. And through volunteers and everybody else, we worked, at one race car I think we ran the whole season with. And it was, just, it was very tough. And we did all we could do. And then <clears throat> when that, we were able to win Rookie of the Year. The next year, everybody was so burnt out, tired, that we didn't run but a handful of races. And then Junie dunlevy uh, Dick Brooks had left the number 90. And, uh, Junie we had talked and I ended up uh being able to drive his race car and that was it really wasn't a hard decision because it was I was working in my dad's junkyard at the time and then I was either working in a junkyard probably the rest of my life which no, no problem with that but it uh, wasn't what I really wanted to do and then Junie Dunleavy uh out of Richmond was only about 100 miles away so I went up and talked with Junie for a while and as it turns out uh Junie was looking for a driver uh Dick Brooks was moving on and so Junie hired me for a season and that really got me going as uh Cause i had never run hardly any of the short tracks at that time so when i went with junie that was my first time running short track races period not only cup but short tracks in general
0: well rick it sounds like your biggest advantage starting out was that you didn't know enough to know that you shouldn't be able to do that
5: <laughs> yeah and a lot of people <laughs> would tell me you couldn't do that you know back in that time i was 18 17 18 years old and uh and at that time, they didn't know what to do with you because there weren't any Jeff Gordons or, you know, the young guys as you have it today. 18, 19 would be considered old probably by today's standards, but uh, back then, uh, most of the guys that were you, I was racing against were, they were probably in their 30s, mid-30s maybe. That was an average age, 30s to 40s, because it took everybody so long to get to the cup level. <clears throat> and like you said, really, I didn't we didn't know any better. So we, next thing I know, I'm out there on the job training and and uh learn how to do it you know sort on the job, but you couldn't do that no way today, but uh, back there in that time it was able to work out
3: well tell you what you, you made the transition real quick, yeah. uh, a lot better I mean a lot of a lot of young guys come in and had you know fairly decent equipment and just couldn't get going and I know uh, you run good uh you know in y'all's own car and uh you know run good with done maybe immediately uh you know. Short tracks has always been one of your strong points. Really always tracks your strong points. I do remember when we went down to Daytona with the first time, we were doing their engines. And uh, we uh, we put some, uh, what was it, Dodge lifters in it. And y'all were running about three mile an hour faster than us with the Thunderbird, but you blowed two motors in a row and then wound up putting the other one in that didn't have those lifters in it and still outqualified us and 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 run good, but y'all had got a good deal with that. Um, I'm trying to think. When did you go with Childers? That's that's what going to be my next question.
5: Yeah, Childers came along uh, after Junie. Uh, I ran a year, and then Junie fired me because we didn't didn't have any money at the time to help the sponsorship. Junie had a whatever he could do to raise money to help this car go, and you know we even though we had a, a good season, we couldn't couldn't get any good sponsorship money to help. So basically, uh I was on my own again, pretty much, and then so I did a year in 1981. I drove for Dagard. Daryl Waltrip was leaving Dagard to go drive for Junior, and uh, and Bill Gardner. Uh, I got the ride for Bill Gardner. I think he he was trying to save money. He could hire me for nothing, so he did. And uh, we had we had a good year. We did some good things, but then uh, Childress came along in 80, actually 82. Uh, and I ran for Richard in 82 and 83. But at that time, Richard was a car. Uh, he was a driver himself, owner driver. And he was looking to, you know, step aside and put somebody in the car full-time. And Richard was a good driver himself, but he was – uh it, it, this opportunity presented itself. Actually, I got the ride because Greg Sachs was going to be driving Childress's car at Daytona in 82 for the 500. But he ended up going down there and testing right shortly before the race and just about killed himself down there. And uh, they got desperate and needed to drive a driver short shortly, and uh, I was out of work. And so that's how that all started.
0: Great.
2: um. You know, uh, another interesting thing, and there's so many interesting things to talk about, but you um, sort of swapped, there wasn't no sort of, you did swap teams (laughs) with with Dale Earnhardt in 1985, and both of you were were, were Wrangler. Earnhardt went from Bud Moore to Childress, and you went from Childress to Bud Moore, and I wrote a book about Bud Moore, and the chapter on Dale Earnhardt is called One Tough Customer. But the next chapter is on Ricky Rudd, and it's called One Tougher Customer. So, <laughs> but, right, because right. that's when the thing happened with the duct tape and the eye, eyes and everything that we, we've talked about so many other times. I won't get into it this time. But you yeah. were you were tough and uh, just uh, a great asset to Bud Moore and some good years. Won a bunch of races. Yeah,
5: yeah it was it was good just a good time in the way it all turned out. You know, I was with Richard Childress when I came on board. Earnhardt had actually ran for Richard uh, back. Uh, it had to be around 19... 19- let me think of my years. I get them mixed up. I'd say somewhere around 1981. Uh, yeah, 81. Uh, early in the year, he uh, or, or the prior year, could have been 80, uh, Earnhardt had come off a championship driving for Rod Osterloin, his first championship. And the race team had gotten sold to J.D. Stacy, and uh, Dale didn't really, uh, he wasn't real comfortable with that, and he decided to leave halfway through the season. So he ended up driving Richard Childress' car, uh, before I did, uh, they never really had much luck with it. He didn't do much. He ran okay, but wasn't very competitive. And then he left and went to drive for Bud, uh, I think around 82 or three, or it could have been 81. So anyway, the, the opportunity presented itself. Um, I was driving for Richard for 82 and 83, and Earnhardt wants, decides he wants to leave Bud and come back to Childress. So basically... It, 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 it sounds simple, but we basically swapped rides. It wasn't quite that simple, but that's what happened. So, you know, at the time when I left Richard, uh, we had, we went from you know sort of middle of the pack to uh, we got better as a team. He hired more people, he got better on the motors. We sat on some poles, won some races. So I was looking to pretty much stay put. Well, Earnhardt liked the three car uh, Childress's car, uh, maybe better at the time. He saw something there anyway. But he switches. I'm out of a ride, and then Bud hires me to drive his car. So basically. It looks like a swap, and, and that's sort of what it ended up being, but not exactly on uh, such nice terms, I
3: should say. Well, anyway, i tell you what, it worked out real good. And uh, I know the very first time out uh, used real fast, and we had the that happen. But the biggest thing is, if you go back and look at the record book, uh, Earnhardt's first year with Childress, I think he lost 11 motors in a row, and, and Ricky pretty much outrun him everywhere we went that first year and it wasn't until children got a, a bunch of help from Chevrolet and uh some things like that now Ricky yeah, can attest yeah. to this we, we broke a lot of bow springs and uh but uh, we, we
5: yeah Rick, Rick, when, it, during that swap Greg what I was going I should have filled in is it actually didn't you know it was a good thing for me you know at the time you know I, we weren't we we're doing okay at Richard's but you know at that time you got to put it you got to look at at that time you know you can't Go later in time because Childress have obviously was at the top of the list on, you know, on getting uh, championships and wins. But at that period of time, he had no championships, uh, hardly any wins. There really wasn't anything going on that was you know extraordinary, other than the fact it was ramping up and getting better. And when the opportunity um, came up with you know Bud, Bud, you guys were at the top of the rung, you were at the top of the ladder. So for me, it was a huge step up to be able to go drive for Bud Moore. Uh, with a championship-winning team, without having to build anything, it was established. So that was the, you know, that was the first time that I had, you know, the, a huge backing behind me with the, all the credentials and uh, other than the year I drove for Gatorade, but there were some problems that were happening within the team that was starting to fizzle out at that point. But when I came to work for you guys, it was there was no team out there any stronger or better than going to drive for Bud Moore at that time, and that's really what helped my career with wins and such. We got a lot of wins there.
2: Well, you went off and became a a team owner. And I know know that had to be a a real awakening for you from driver to owning a team for a few years there with Tide. What did you take into ownership that you say you could specifically say you learned from Bud Moore?
5: Well, I think it was, uh, you know, really a combination. I was able to take from Bud and, you know, some of the other guys I'd driven for. But the people that were successful in that business at that time were people like Childress. He was getting better uh Bud Moore was established and done. Uh he I mean he he there was no better team there. But with Bud's team, what I saw is Bud Bud was very hands on. He wasn't you know, he wrote the checks, but Bud was also he knew everything about that race car. He didn't only know the motors, he knew the chassis, he knew he knew everything it took. And uh and his team was built sort of around him, a lot of family there and a lot of close friends and uh everyone got along together. Everybody enjoyed what they did and they knew what they were doing. But I would say just the structure of the way Bud uh, Bud's team was, was set up. It was very organized, very professional. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I paid attention to that even back then of how, you know, what made this such a great operation and uh, kind of took took a lot of notes. And then later on, uh, quite a few years later, I had my own team. And, uh, yeah, I pulled from that, uh, what I'd learned driving for Bud and, and, and also from the management side.
3: Well, i tell you, Ricky, right off the you run competitive right out of the box, and one race is set on poles. Uh, you were pound for pound, you were the best driver that we had. I mean, you, you stayed there longer than anybody, uh, which that that was that was a feat in itself. I, uh, like I say, but Bud was the boss, and I think that that. <laughs> but it, it was like Don Allison made a statement to me one time. You know, he said, "Gregory, you don't." Manage the team right. I so, said what do you mean by that? He said, Well, said, you try to be the nice guy, and you can't do that he said at least with bud and he's not right all the time but he's going to be right, say eighty percent of the time, but at least you' all have a program and a direction to go in versus having teams pulling in different directions and
5: uh, yeah that you know that was amazing there uh, I tell you the scariest one of the scariest I've ever had to i was ever uh I was much more scared on a meeting with bud Moore, the first time i met him than i was climbing in and out of any race car but i had junie Dunleavy had made the change in his team uh so i was in from so 1980 or so i was out of a ride so at that time i think buddy baker was driving or, or i don't think he had hired buddy baker between buddy baker and bobby allison at bud Moore's team i'm not sure which driver i think they were going from uh, buddy baker to bobby allison but anyway in the meantime i have to go i have to i'll go down to spartanburg i'll leave uh chesapeake virginia drive down to spartanburg to meet bud moore and i remember it was probably about a seven hour drive and i was shaking in my boots the whole time <laughs> and i think i've got to go meet bud moore and talk to him about a job and when i got in there in his office he closed the door and right away he made you feel welcome you know he, you know bud's a strong leader he's and you know was a He could be intimidating to a lot of people but he was, had a heart of gold and and he ran it um uh, I mean, how did best way to say it? He everybody had he had everybody's respect because he knew Bud was a powerful guy, and he did what he said. If he had a handshake, you could go by that. You didn't need any contract.
3: Yes, I, I know y'all had and you, you and Bud both had a really good relationship on the chassis of what you wanted, and uh, it had to be about the only team in history with two roosters.
5: <laughs> yeah, I had two, I had <laughs> two right, roosters, yeah. and I'm gonna tell you something. Mrs. Uh, Moore, that's yes, right. You know, I mean, we would when I would come to the shop. We, you know, I'd get down there now three or four times a year, and the first thing we had we go over to, uh, to Bud's, Bud's house, and Greg and all the family, and Daryl, all the boys, and uh, Mrs. Moore, Rooster, was there. You know, cook up something for us. So it was, uh, it was just a neat experience, very hands on. That was the real boss. Uh, you got, <laughs> oh you got yeah. Bud and you got his. The leader of Bud Moore, that ran Bud Moore, was Brewster. So it was, it was yeah. funny because she's such a neat little tiny lady, but you could tell she ran the show there with Buddy. He, he walked, the, he walked a fine line when she ran. Oh, yeah. he did definitely.
3: Now, like oh. I say, he he was uh, not afraid to speak his mind to any race driver, the NASCAR, uh, and uh, be honest with you, I I've had respect and probably been scared of him even. A month, 2 before four—we lost him because he was still talking <laughs> about finding sponsorship and going back racing, and 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 he loved it that much. But yeah. the biggest thing with Ricky about that I liked—you know, these guys get out of the car and they and they get mad and do this, that, and whatever. Ricky would get mad, and Ricky would not run from a fight. If you've ever seen Ricky get mad. That's a powerful rooster right there. Yeah, and and, I, and I, really only meant, problem
5: with getting mad, I forgot how big I was. I, you know, I'm not a very big had, guy. So, or how big so, you weren't. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm lucky I had big guys around me to back me up in case I got in trouble.
3: <laughs> well, I, I remember, I remember you didn't, uh, you didn't take nothing off anybody, and and that that's always a good sign. I've always said a, a, a driver that's not uh, willing to beat and bang. And do something they don't do real good. And Ricky Ricky Rudd was good at it.
2: I'm looking at his stats right here. I've got him in my hand. And uh, it really, well, it it is amazing. From 1979 until 1996, was that about 17 years? It was only one year he didn't finish. The one year he was 11th in the standings. and, And the bad year you were talking about when you didn't run too much, you were 35th. But he was in the top 10 every year, every year for almost two decades. That's, I mean, that's Hall of Fame stuff. I know it.
5: Well, I appreciate that one thing that I was proud of and, and really it, it really got started when I was at bud is uh winning a race every year for 16 or 17 years and and a good part of those wins were when I was at budge and that kind of got that role when that that started and I guess it's kind of once you get a taste of that you know winning then it it, it, it becomes habit for me to try to get you know get back even harder work even harder to get back to victory Lane again
3: yeah I know one thing that uh and like I said, me, me and Ricky we 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 had a good relationship and we tried to look out for each other. And we had a guy at Ford or something, uh really bought some stuff up that Ford was always changing people and uh said something about well, going they was gonna do something else and put Bob Hardy's sponsorship on Elliott's car and we'd had to find this and uh Ricky had all kind of opportunities. So with the last few races, matter of fact, we went to Dover and uh oh always we always won over unless something broke or somebody wrecked us. I mean, it, it, but, uh, you know, Rick, Ricky would talk to him about who he talked to and who was going to be the, the next team and everything. And Ricky would actually ride. But he, one time he, he rode behind Brett Bodine but, and said, well, he diamonds the track a little bit, but he ought to be OK. But
2: Ricky, I, we, we're up against a break here. I, I'm telling you, it's great to have you on the show again.
5: Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, always good to always good to talk to y'all. Anytime uh, you get a anytime you get a dull moment, call me. <laughs> if you, need, if you need a show filler, call me.
2: Well, I tell you what, you do more than fill a show. You can, you make a show, and we appreciate having you on. And we're gonna we're gonna take a break right now, and we'll be back with Nelson Crozier and uh, get the scoop on what happened at Daytona and what's gonna happen at Kentucky. You're listening to Fox Sports Spartanburg.
9: Hey man, you looking for good, clean, late night fun? Boy, do we have a show for you. I'm KB I you and I host about. Up Late, planet Earth's only late night, locally produced mid market sports talk show. So habit forming, you can't fall asleep without it. Up Late with KB, weeknights at 11, only on Fox Sports 1400 and 983FM. I want to spread the news. Throughout your life, you've worked hard to accumulate assets, to build wealth, and to provide for your family. You've built a comfortable life full of shared memories and experiences. Provide and protecting your loved ones is never more critical than when you aren't there to do so. While having a will is important, it's not the only way. That is why developing an estate plan can be the best thing you will ever do for them. Working with our estate planning experts, Trent Lancaster, in the Spartanburg office of Jenny Montgomery Scott can help you to design a customized estate plan that can protect and preserve your assets for the next generation. The sooner you begin, the nelson crozier is trackside and ready
1: to go what's going on at this week's big race let's go
2: live to nelson now good morning nelson where are you
7: oh i'm in north carolina right now
2: okay well that's that's a good place to be um i'm sure you have some uh probably some uh Good information on um, what the heck we saw last Saturday night. Blocking. When when are they going to do something about that?
7: Well, going way back when, uh, 66, I believe it was, Mary Andretti won Daytona. Uh, After all Victory Lane uh, festivities were done, which weren't what they are today, he goes back in the garage, and uh, a few of the drivers... Corral them and said, you, you come back driving like that, and you said you're going to leave here in a box. And that's pretty much what ha- uh, has to happen now. The drivers have got to get together and say, We're not going to put up with each other blocking anymore. Uh, because uh, on restricted brake tracks in particular, that seems to be uh, the way the driving's done, but that's what's causing, for the most part, these big wrecks
2: well I mean and they're, they're starting to do it I, I know they want to win these segments and everything but they're it just seems to me like it, uh, the, they do it every time somebody tries to pass somebody for the lead I mean you just can't drive by somebody anymore and, and you know they got pretty stiff penalties on that stuff with uh, IndyCar and Grand Prix but I guess since the stock cars have fenders they let them go at it but they sure are tearing up
7: a lot of equipment they really are and you know, uh, you were talking to Ricky, uh, you know, back in that era, the drivers had a vested interest in the race car. Uh, you know, maybe they didn't have a strict financial interest, but if you wrecked too much, you're out of a ride. Really? Uh, or if you uh, if you wrecked, there wasn't money to fix the car to go to the next race. So, uh, you know, people drove in a different manner, and that's what we need to get back to. You need to have clean driving. Uh not
3: that the drivers are really dirty, but they don't have respect, uh if you go that way on the highway you'd be in jail. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and Nelson's right. You know, the ones that were only the teams that had good sponsorship, uh, like us juniors, Petties, Wood Brothers and and a couple of more, uh it was a while before we ever started taking a backup car to the racetrack. And usually it was like a Rock and car or whatever, but most teams, even the good ones, didn't have no more than four cars. I mean, you started tearing up cars. Uh, you, you'd made, you'd make a, we'd made a bunch of runs. The banjo to get front clips put on. I mean, it was. Uh, well, uh, I recall
7: at Richmond, uh, you know, the '88 car wrecked with Bobby Allison. That's, Bobby was driving it or not, but anyway, they wrecked it, and Bailey said, "You're not pulling the backup car, uh, or you're going to That's it. You're not pulling that other car you got on the hauler off the race. It's, you got to fix this one. So they took you know the whole front end and a whole bunch of stuff off the other car on the trailer to make the car run. And if they start doing away with backup cars uh, in 90% of the cases, you know, people are going to drive differently.
4: I wonder sometimes, this is Gene, by the way, Nelson, uh, I wonder sometimes if it's just the mentality of this, this new generation that had never had to work on their cars coming up. They were always just given a ride or set, set in a car. You know, maybe they didn't have the, you know, they were never shown how to work on a car or what it meant to keep the car up. That's just something that's coming to my mind. Well,
7: that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, and you don't have to be able to work on the car uh to be a good driver, Tim Ristler being a prime example, uh, he came in and told Harry, High, he said, uh, it hippity hops through the corner and it squiggles down the straightaway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, well, Harry knew how to read the tires and, you know, uh, the setup on the car, so he was able to, you know, they came happy with it. But, uh, you know, if you know how to work on the car and how to set it up, it makes you a lot better driver. Uh, the uh, the big thing now is the driver got to keep it down on the yellow line. Got to keep it on the yellow line. If the car doesn't want to drive down there, go where it wants to drive. You see Carl uh, Kyle Larson driving up around the wall. That's where the car is set up and where it likes to run. So if the car wants to run uh, in the middle groove, assume you have a middle groove, let it go there. Don't try to rein it in and pull it down where it doesn't want to go. Uh, same thing with a horse. you're you riding a horse and it wants to go one way, you keep trying to pull it another way. Sooner or later, that horse is going to win. <laughs> no,
3: no doubt.
2: Nelson, do you think there's any chance that we're going to see retaliation tonight? I mean, this is not the slowest track, but it's not the fastest track. It's, uh,
7: there's uh, been a lot of verbal uh, sparring uh, back and forth. Uh, uh, Kyle Busch, I don't have to worry about him. He, you know, he's back in the middle of the pack. He's of a factor. Uh, you know, and then Stenhouse comes back and makes them, uh I don't want to say unsavory, but I think uncalled for remarks. So uh, if the opportunity arises, uh, you know, uh, I think Kyle's going to uh, put him in his place. Uh,
2: I've got to ask you a question. There's a commercial that they're playing, and I couldn't even tell you what. The product is, or whatever, but they're talking about, and I think Truex is one of them. They're, they're talking something about how treacherous the third turn is at Kentucky. I think Truex or somebody says he, it keeps him awake at night or something. What in the world? I never heard about this before. What's
7: yellow, what's uh, the
2: deal with the third turn at Kentucky?
7: It, it, it's tight. Plus, I think there's a little bit of a hump there. But yes, the drivers have definitely been talking about the third turn. And the other problem they have on the front straightaways get down below the yellow line.
3: There's quite a a bump there. You you know, they call them cookie cutter tracks. It sounds like a a chocolate chip cookie that that they they left the chocolate chip sticking up a little bit (laughs) on one end (laughs) or or whatever, but yeah, I mean, you know... The problem with Kentucky right now, the groove is a
7: rain and
3: a half wide. That's it. Still need to do something, like I said. We're seeing some better racing. People are still confused with the the stage deal, and I understand that the stage deal actually has hurt the Wood Brothers several times because Menard had been running real good.
7: And, uh... Well, Menard, they, they uh, at Daytona, you know, <laughs> uh, gets spun out early and still finishes up on the legal app, uh, you know, but that was perseverance on, uh, both Menard's part and the Wood Brothers. That car was pretty much destroyed. And if they uh taped it back together got him out there uh it got penalized a couple of times you
4: know, for coming into pit early but he
2: still had to do some finish uh let's do our picks we, we're not pushed for time yet but let's get the picks out of the way and i'm gonna go first because i never do so i'm gonna take uh i'm gonna take keselowski he's qualified um fourth and i can see him winning this race he's done it there before what do you what do you say nelson
7: Okay, uh, that was my number one pick, but I think I'm on... The well, I, at least I stole it from you for a change. It's usually Correct. the other way around. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting because there are a lot of good-running cars there. Uh, you know, and uh, who's going to be the better one? Uh, but, you know, you look at it, uh, you know, Truex is very strong. Uh, at his 19th pole of his career, it's... It's his fourth pole and twelfth uh top ten start of 2018. However it is his first pole with Kentucky.
2: So are you is that who you're taking?
7: Uh no, I'll go uh, I'm going ahead and take Harvick.
3: Okay. Yeah, stick the neck out.
2: I Way it. out on the <laughs> limb. What do you think, Greg? And I'll tell you before, you if you didn't notice, your man Menard
3: qualified sixth, which is pretty, pretty good. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Menard because he gets stronger and stronger. And uh, I thought I could talk deep, into him. Well, like I say, <laughs> I stuck my neck out with, with Harvick, and he, he, he run good, but he didn't win. Did anybody even win last week?
2: Uh, uh, yeah, Eric Jones, and he's starting second this week. Who yep. you got, Gene?
4: I believe I go with Clint Boyer, just a uh, just feeling I got. Just, uh, and to stay along the dirt track, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Boyer. Ronnie? I'm going to fail
2: with the 11. What's the deal with with Hamlin? Because I noticed here the lineup I'm looking at, he's starting 36. Did they uh, change something?
7: No, uh, failed inspection twice, and they elected not to try the third time uh, because uh, it was really too late for qualifying for them to do it. But if they went the third time uh, and failed, uh, the car chief would go home. Mm, okay. Uh, They were not the only ones. Uh, Apparently, uh, the way NASCAR is measuring with the optical inspection station, uh, they're paying more attention to uh, the rotation and the stew of the rear end, and uh, some of the teams were out of tolerance.
2: Well, I know the the kid that won last night, I call him a kid, Christopher Bell, he started from the rear because they... uh, Changed tires after qualifying, so he went from the back to the front.
7: Well, it's still short there. He had to change tires because he went for a long slide on his qualifying lot. So uh, he didn't have a very good speed, but he had to change tires. He would have st- uh, started on four spot by the tires.
2: Nelson, is there any uh, hot rumors, anything going around out there? As we uh, we're past the halfway point and, and um, getting close no, to the
7: the only. Uh, Real rumor, and I think it's purely rumors this time, is what Truex is going to do next year because uh, his contract's up at the end of the year. But I don't see him going anywhere. I think he's pretty happy where he is.
0: He's been running. Okay, one question I had for you is you know, several years ago when they first started up at Kentucky, they had so much trouble getting the the fans in and out. Have they done anything to improve that so that they can
7: keep working on it? uh last year they thought they had the problem pretty well solved but the parking attendants screwed everything up and they weren't letting people uh you know go where they were supposed to go and that back traffic way up but uh the tracks working very well with the state police and uh you know i think they have uh traffic much better uh under control than they ever had in the past
2: well that, that's that sounds like a uh a, a weird dilemma with the having trouble getting the fans in and out of the track but you look in the grandstands and uh and unless uh you know in most of these tracks there's an awful lot of empty seats so uh hopefully kentucky's gonna have a big crowd if if they're um, having trouble getting folks in and out of there as they always have like you say
7: yeah well uh, the biggest problem in kentucky there are not that many roads you know you got the interstate, but uh you know, pretty much about
3: one way in and one way out. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I was going to mention, Nelson, there's a racetrack that's uh, is, is, is here in the south. It's close. It's around the race scene. They have excellent races there and it's a road course. And I know they would run the bus cars there uh, uh, several times, but Road Atlanta, if they'd had put it somewhere where they had a little bit better access, uh, we'd be racing there right now. But you know, they had always had a terrible and an unfixable way of really getting in and out of Road Atlanta. And, uh,
7: and well, that, and racetracks have, you know, so far as attendance, uh, you know, assuming the fans want to go, you've got two problems. One is at the ingress, egress, you know, getting in, getting out. And the number two thing uh, is uh, lodging facilities. Uh, where are you going to stay? Iowa's a great track. It's in, it's in the middle of nowhere, so where are you going to put all the people? That's yeah, true. You know, I mean, they've got it under control with what they got now, but, you know, people say, oh, it's a great spot for a cup race. Well, for the cup race, you're going to put more seats in, you're going to have to handle uh, more people. Where are you going to put
3: them? Yeah, they, yeah. You know, Bristol had the. Uh, I'm thinking Bristol. No, Darlington, excuse me. My brain's going. But anyway, it, you know, Darlington over the years, they all, always have a great crowd, and what sort of saved them was doing it, and that'd be the last who robbed Myrtle Beach uh, on Labor Day. But, you know, they, they eventually, Nelson, if you remember, they, they, they built some more motels in the Florence area and uh, because it, one time it didn't deter the fans at all, but they, there wasn't too many places to save it. Uh, they're close to the racetrack. No, and, you know, you had to go up and down 95, uh, you know,
7: 20, 30, 40 miles many times to find a spot. But one of the most popular spots... Uh, in Toronto in Florence with, uh, the Thunderbird and it's now closed down. Yeah. The Thunderbird closed down. <laughs> uh, yes it might oh, be under man. a different name but it's no longer the Thunderbird.
2: Nelson we're up against a hard break we appreciate you coming on and um, uh, look forward to you every week. Ronnie said I got one question for Nelson and that was his attendance question his, his uh, access question to getting in and out of the track and we uh, we appreciate you every week. Thank you so okay, much for coming so
7: on. One more comment you Ricky wrote on. Yeah real That's quick. How good he was at Dover. Well, he lost the race because they didn't score him. He ran 501 laps. Uh, The only uh, scoring person up to that time was Morris Metcalf, and he was away doing another race, and that's why Ricky didn't win that race.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. Ricky was the best, and Greg's always told us how good he was at Dover. Thank you so much, Nelson. We'll talk to you next week, buddy.
7: Okay, very good.
2: All right. Thank you, Nelson. Well, we got to be up against a hard break here, and we appreciate um, Nelson coming on and Ricky Rudd and had our first hour, and we also appreciate the people here at Fox Sports Spartanburg to give us another hour, and we'll be back to do it in just a minute with Ernie Smith. Spartanburg's
1: radio home for University of South Carolina
2: football is Fox Sports 1400 WSPG
1: Spartanburg, now on FM at 98.3. Fuck. Sports
9: trending now. Here's a final at Wimbledon after a three-hour marathon last night. The match continued for more than 90 minutes this morning and concluded in what turned out to be a classic five-set match as Novak Djokovic defeated second-seeded Rafael Nadal in the final set 10-8, advancing to his 22nd major final and fifth Wimbledon championship appearance. Djokovic will face John Anderson in the final match on Monday. As the dust settles on that crazy men's semi, we now await the start of the women's final, which will get underway in a matter of moments. Seven-time Wimbledon champion Serena Williams will take on Angelique Kerber in a rematch of the 2016 final in London. Kerber has lost six of the eight matches she's had against Serena. Williams seeking her eighth Wimbledon championship and
1: 20s in Spartanburg, South Carolina.
7: Gentlemen, start
1: your engines.
2: a very
3: pleasing second hour think we got another hour left in us boys yeah i tell you what we got what uh, we got a good guy coming on right now mr ernie smith who's been down in atlanta and he has really been like i say he he's one of our local guys that's really made a lot of headway uh in drag racing and anyway ernie what uh, are, are y'all headed back home or are you headed to, to the next race but tell us kind of what went on down in atlanta and where you headed
8: well we just pulled out from ed clark's beautiful facility down here at atlanta motor speedway we came down to his friday night drags last night did a little match racing you know back in back in the 60s the way that uh you know all these guys made their money was match racing from wasn't the big national events but now we're heading up to paradise dragway in calhoun georgia we had few problems last night, but we're hopefully going to straighten it out this morning and make a few test passes up there But before we head back home to Spartanburg.
3: <laughs> yeah, but I know y'all been making some headway with the car because, uh, you know, we, we talk, me and you talk quite a bit, and uh, you, you said that you made a gear change that uh, re- really helped it uh, last week, and it's coming out of the hole better. And um, so I think it's just a little more tweaking, and we're going to be where we need to be with it. I mean, it just... Uh, uh, you started out with a whole new car and different motor. And I think you were saying, but uh, it, well, the deal with the cylinder head is going to help, too. We've got to get a guy to work on them things. I think
8: new heads are really, really going to help. We've actually talked to him for a while down here last night. He was down here watching us. Uh, yeah, all we really changed on the car. We took a 514 gear out of the rear end, put a 488 in it, and played around with shift points and transmission a little, Little Henry J really woke up, and like I say, we're making some good, fast, straight passes now. and You know, we're starting to go rounds and starting to get where we need to be.
2: Ernie, tell us tell us what you've uh, what your car is. What class are you in? And 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 tell us about uh, tell us about your car.
8: Well, it's a 1952 Henry J made by Kaiser. Uh, I run in A gas the way the Southeast Kaisers run. Everything's weight to cubic inch. You know, heads up, first guy there wins drag racing. A gas, what I run in, has to be six pounds per cubic inch. B gas, eight pounds per cubic inch. And C gas, 10 pounds per cubic inch. That way, you know, small block, big block, you know, Ford, Chevrolet, everybody's on an equal playing field. That's
3: why I've done that car for a while.
8: Exactly. And it's the way the old, it's the way pro stock started back in drag racing. You know, everything was weight to cubic inch. And it makes for good, close, you know, you don't see anybody get outran by 10 car links. You know, it's most finishes are a fender or less.
0: <laughs> well, Ernie, with the, the classes set up so close like that, I know it's crucial getting out of the hole. What kind of time do you have getting out of the hole? What do you average?
8: I'll average on a pro tree about .08 seconds, 07 on a good day. Down at Myrtle Beach last weekend, I don't know if it was just me or the tree setup or what, but down there, I, you know, I was seeing it well. I was like 01, you know, about one thousandth of a second, the car was moving. That's and uh, here in Atlanta last night, I would think I was around oh five, oh six. The car's reacting a lot better. Uh, I've got a lot, you know, I came from that 56 Chevrolet. I drove last year a lot bigger, longer wheelbase car. And as as a driver say, you know, uh, me and this car have got acquainted now. We're we're starting <laughs> to work together.
2: <laughs> Take it to lunch.
8: Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. We're we're starting to work as a team here now. You know, anytime you go into a, a new car, be it a new drive car, NASCAR dirt car, what you know, whatever the case may be. There's a learning curve there. You know, you got to find what this car wants as opposed to what you did before, and and we're starting to find what this car wants.
3: Yeah. And it sounds like I'm making a lot of headway with it. Do you
8: still have a Fox sticker on the back of it? Oh, it is painted right there on the back. There's no, no sticker. No it's, painted. That, one, one of our rules, you know, we, with our group, everything is nostalgia race. And the cars have to be 1967 or older. And, you know, back in the mid-60s, there wasn't any vinyl machines or everything. Everything was painted. So our rules are even that strict on... Everything has to be painted on the cars. Uh, You know, we go out and search all over the United States to find period correct wheels. You know, no modern wheels, no modern electronics. You know, everything's back old school, mid-60s where drag racing started.
0: Well, if you had a sticker on there, we could say that you were acquainted with Fox Sports. But since you've got us painted on there, you're committed. That's right. I tell fellas, you
8: don't know how much I appreciate y'all's commitment to me. You're I right? mean, you know, any, any kind of racing takes money. And, you know, your sponsorship, sponsorship of Priority Heat and Air, Ace's High Tattoo, Village Garage down here in Atlanta. You know, if it wasn't for guys like you and people like you that believe in me and believe in what I'm trying to do, you know, it, it wouldn't be possible to do this.
2: Well, we do, Ernie, and we want to get you in the studio sometime. Uh, we're, um, uh, we'll are we make time for you. Anybody to paint us on their car, we got we to gotta keep you up.
3: Well, you know, I love coming in there anytime I can. Yeah, And, uh, matter of fact, so, well, next thing we got to do is me and your wife and me and Bert, we got to go eat somewhere. You know, <laughs> we had we, we,
8: we, 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 we to
3: get that done this week. Yeah, they were trying to get in the restaurant, and, and we, uh, me and Ernie started racing, and, uh, Bertie kept saying, well, they want to go eat. You know, his wife would want to go. Anyway, well, we, we got busy racing. I finally put Bert on the phone, and, uh, anyway, pretty good deal. Bertha Berta talked herself into uh finance a set of tires. Yes, yeah, she
8: did. And tell her I love her for it. Well, like I say, <laughs> it was good
3: because, you know, man, you had to talk about when, what, when, you know, you get a few runs out of them. And uh, so I told Berta, I said, well, I said, you done one thing by talking. You talked you talk, <laughs> talk, talk yourself a set of tires. It made my day. It made my day. But I, I wanted to do it anyway.
8: It and, uh, made mine, too. You know, that's one thing about. Bird, of me and her knowing each other, she used to be my babysitter, back you know she's not that much older than me, but I grew up next door to her, and you know just it's like it's become a family thing here, yep,
3: <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. now,' could she talk much back then <laughs> as she does now, oh yeah, yeah, well, she oh, lo- oh yeah, she loves racing, and she's she's proud as heck, you know it's got uh, the starchy engines on the back of that car and and your car does run and it's just going to get better and better, so I, I hope this turns into a, a long term, uh, marriage. No, i I'm,
8: I'm hoping so. You know, we're really searching hard. We've, we've got you know the small several small sponsors. I'm you know I'm trying to make contacts, trying to, I need to find that that one big one, and I know they're out there. I mean, you know, you you look at NASCAR now, and not to downplay NASCAR, you know, the NASCAR teams, the 48 team, a few teams were down here testing at the speedway yesterday. But, you know, there's millions involved in sponsoring one of those cars, you know. And to sponsor something like I do is nowhere close to that. Still burnt- and it
3: still takes money, though.
8: It still takes money. But, you know, it uh, the smaller companies out there want to get involved in racing with, you know, we have an, one thing. The nostalgia scene is growing so big. We have a following that's just unbelievable worldwide. We had four guys down at our Myrtle Beach race that had flew over here from Ireland. Uh, we had guys come in from Australia this year. We Last year we had 14 different groups from 13 different countries. Wow. Fly over here just to watch us run these things. Yeah, that's and neat. It, it is. And, you know, because the stuff we do, we don't go to the big Bristol's and the big Charlotte 4-wide, you know, the, the big tracks. Our stuff is... We want people to have the sixties drag racing fields. So, you know, we go to the smaller mom and pop tracks like, you know, Shadyside up there in Shelby, North Carolina. Uh we're like where I'm heading to today, Paradise Dragway down here in Calhoun. These tracks were built back in the fifties. You know, and that's what our show's geared to. We want people when they come through the gate, you know. One of the biggest things to me is we were sitting at Shadyside the first this year and an older gentleman probably in his eighties walked up with a another gentleman probably late fifties, another man probably thirties, and a kid about thirteen. They were looking at my car and the guy in his thirties looked at the little boy and said, You know, this this is what your, your great granddad did back in the sixties. And suddenly great granddad's coolness factor went way up <laughs> to this kid. You know, you just you saw him just look at his grandfather in a whole new light and to me that is one of the greatest things about this, you know. People come through the gate at our show, and they're in 1967.
3: And that's what's good, Ernie. And, and you know, that's one of the things uh, NASCAR kind of drifted away from. Of course, NASCAR, the cars changed a lot. But people love people love antique cars, and they really love antique cars that, that really haul tail down a drag strip. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, it, and it's popular exactly. everywhere.
8: Exactly, it is and the popularity of the nostalgia racing all across racing has growing. I mean, you know, like you say with NASCAR, you know, I think the world Ed Clark down here, he has a first rate facility here at Atlanta. You know, we came down here and ran on Pitt Road last night, but you know, as an exhibition because he had invited us down. Yeah. And, you know, David Harbin from Harbin Mechanical down here, big sponsor of the, our whole series, invited us all down and it was fun to do just to say I ran at Atlanta Motor Speedway.
3: Well, that says a lot for the series that y'all run in, uh, and 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 you guys that are competing in it. Ernie, uh,
2: did, did you say that this is that you, your car is a fifty-two model?
8: A 52 Kaiser Henry
2: J. Well, see, I'm a 52 model, and I know how hard it is to get parts for those things. <laughs> and uh, and a lot of mine are wearing out, and Ronnie's over here pushing the buttons, and he's a 52 model. 52 so, uh, model. Hey. You're, uh, yeah,
8: but you couldn't pick a 52 <laughs>
2: Ford or something. You might actually find someplace, but, I mean, that's got to be
8: tough with a Henry J. It is. I mean, it, but that's, to, to me and to a lot of our guys that run this stuff, that's part of the fun. You know, you, you're searching, you and, you know, you make contacts all over the U.S. by going online and just that and the other, searching for parts of these old cars. And a lot of times, the hunt is, you know, that that's as much fun as actually putting the part on the car as actually finding it.
2: Now, are you able to remanufacture a part to the exact specifications of what came off or what broke or whatever or wore out?
8: To a point, we can. Uh, you know, my car was built by Stott shot Speed Shop, Quain Stott from up Green Creek, North Carolina, and you know we have milling machines, lace and stuff, and Quain is you know first class, world renowned chassis builder for drag cars, and I mean we can usually take apart and you know if it's broke and we've got the dimensions, we can usually make it if we have to.
3: Yeah, I tell you that's amazing, and, and like you say, for a division like that, which is obviously popular because. It is what people want to see, and they race competitively, they race fast and that thing, but to be invited to places like Atlanta Speedway uh, to put on, you know, and, and a lot of people show up to see these things, and uh, I can't wait till me and Burdick get with one close and, and see them, because I know, well, take, about the sound's take
2: incredible. me with
3: you, I want to go, I want to see this. Yep, well, you going to go with me. <laughs> I want to see this. Because I, I can't drive too good, and, and Berta scared you to death, so...
2: Well, I can't drive till I get my leg fixed, yeah. but uh, but you brought me in this morning and got out of the driveway fine. Ernie, look, it's great having you on the show. Uh, Greg's been talking about you, and I I don't know if I've met you before. I, I think maybe I have, but I'm not sure. But I have now, and we want to have you in the studio. And it's just a, a pleasure hearing somebody that's 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 doing what you're doing. And man, nobody loves to see the old stuff run more than me.
8: Well, guys, you don't know how much I appreciate your sport. You know the times you've had me on the show here you know the one time last year i was in the studio and you know your financial support to me you, you guys don't know how much it really means to me and i, I really appreciate it you know myself my wife paula it, it wouldn't be possible for us to be out here on the road if it wasn't for people like you
2: well we appreciate you uh doing what you're doing and we'll we'll do what we can on this end and um and we're gonna find some more money we'll find you some money we're somehow find some more
3: money Greg's got deep pockets over here. So no, a- <laughs> no, 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 no. And I can't take on the whole car, you know. But, uh, he's we, doing we, what he we, can. We, we, uh, we're doing what we can, but we're going uh, to. There's there are sponsors out there. Well, we're going yeah,
8: to have to. Go ahead. That's what I say. The that the that, that, that one sponsor that wants exposure is out there. And, you know, hopefully it's somebody in Spartanburg. I I would really love to. And, you know, now Spartanburg's grown so much. We have several international companies, bigger industry there. And I'm, you know, I'll take sponsorship wherever I get it. You know, if there's a company wants me to paint this thing bright pink and put their name on it, if if their heart's right, it can be a bright pink race car. But, you know, I would really, really love to keep this thing, you know, something from Spartanburg. But, you know... Well, thank you. Hopefully, Er the possibilities there. If not, we'll move on. Well,
2: thank you. Just don't paint over the Fox logo, and we'll uh, be back uh, after this break. Thank you, Ernie. We'll be talking to you later. And this is Fox Sports Spartanburg. Talk
1: racing with the guys. Call the SignForce hotline now at 864-468-1400. Start your engine returns in a moment on Fox Sports 1400 and 98.3 FM.
6: Steve and Jerry here from the world famous Beacon Drive In in Spartanburg. The Beacon has served over 300 menu selections of burgers, barbecue, chicken, fish, and more for over 70 years. Jerry, what's been the most popular? Chili cheese aioli. Steve Flounder, cheeseburger like a burger, make it cry. Give me a bacon with no trim. <laughs> I had a feeling you would say that. Join Steve and Jerry Did at the world-famous Beacon Drive-In, no John B. White Sr. Boulevard in Spartanburg. Hey, plan.
9: plant Speedy Lube and in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway, and in Inman lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASE-certified mechanical service for your your car being
3: an oil.
2: Welcome back to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg at the Beacon Drive-In Studios, which uh, I thought of because we are in the Beacon Drive-In Studios, and I'm getting hungry. Me too. Yeah. Well, Murphy's Law. That's the name of Gene Murphy's uh, column in the Herald Journal, and it's excellent about the local scene and that's what caught my eye and that's what's going to make him a regular on this show. And on this special two hour edition, the reason we're two hours is so we can give Gene as much time as he wants to bring us up to speed on the local scene. So, uh, for this inaugural edition of Murphy's law,
4: here's Gene Murphy. Uh, thank Thanks for having me again. Uh, I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, after the big Lucas oil, Lake Model Dirt Series race last Friday night. Cherokee Speedway is uh, taking the night off. Uh, they're going to resume operations next Saturday night, July 21st. Uh, it will be uh, fan appreciation night. Grandstand admission will be only $5. Uh, classes running next Saturday night will be uh, Sika Lake Models, Limited Sportsman, Crate Sportsman, Renegade, Thunder Bomber, Pure Stock, Stock 4. Young Guns and Extreme 4. That'll be a big show for just $5 admission in the grandstands. And, again, that will be next Saturday night, July 21st. Cherokee is off tonight. And uh, also, uh, moving on, going to Harris Speedway's plans for tonight. They're also not running tonight. They're taking the night off. Uh, it's right here in the heat of the summer. Uh not kind of a, a odd thing to track to do this from time to time. So uh, Harris is also off tonight. But next Saturday night, July 21st, they'll have the Blue Ridge uh, Outlaw Late Models headline of their racing program. And also on their program uh, in the support divisions will be the Renegade Stock 8 Craig Sportsman Division. And uh, they kind of run all those cars together because they're all pretty similar. Uh, then they got the Sika Thunder Bombers, Young Guns, Pure Stock. Front-wheel drive, V6 front-wheel drive, and stock four. And uh, once again, Harris is is not running tonight. This will be next Saturday, July 21st. Uh, now, Traveler's Rest Speedway is racing tonight. So maybe they can gain uh, some people, some fans that come over and check them out tonight. Maybe they hadn't been over there before. Maybe are, uh, Harris or Cherokee regulars, maybe they'd want to get out and in the mood to go racing. Maybe go out Traveler's Rest, check them out. Uh, the racing car tonight at driver's rest is going to consist of Extreme 4 front-wheel drive, the Renegade Stock 8 Crate Sportsman Division, Pure Stock, Sika Thunder Bomber, and SCDRA front-wheel drives. Uh, grandstand admission is $15. Pits are $30. Driver's meeting is scheduled for 6.30 with hot laps starting at 7. And they are pl- also planning a meet-and-greet tonight on the front stretch. Uh, for between drivers and fans, so it should be a fun night tonight at Travelers Rest. And uh, before I close on Travelers Rest I'd like to mention that their track owner, Mike Hawkins, uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago on June 25th. And uh, our deepest condolences. Here at the show, go out to his family and friends. And I hope they have a great turnout tonight so the place can start to heal and get back to business to what they what they used to doing, is racing, having a good time. Gene, now with all
0: the uh, the different divisions with the name of them. Thunder bombers—they—they they try to make it sound exciting, and these are
4: exciting races, aren't they? Oh yeah, the uh, the support division. Like I'm, I, of course, I'm I'm a big dirt late model guy, big super late uh, super late model guy, but the support divisions—that's what—that's what keeps your tracks going week to week. You got to have you got to have your support divisions, your lo- your uh, lower divisions, and I'm saying lower not as a detriment, just as lower division compared to like a headlining like a super late mile show it comes in every so often but you've got to have these these teams these divisions that come in every week and they're for sure exciting exciting racing you know and it's you know i don't know if any kind of racing is anything you'd call affordable but you know it is the more affordable type of racing. it's it's entry-level racing uh some of the some of the divisions you know you can't call them entry-level like like you mentioned the thunder bombers i mean that is more of of a, a faster car you know uh professionally-built chassis. Uh, You know, there's time in these cars, money in these cars. I mean, it's and they're fast. They put on a good show. And uh, now, what I've got planned is after the show concludes here at the Bacon Driving Studio, I'm uh, headed to Rural Retreat, Virginia, to visit Fred Brown's big half-mile whiff raceway. And uh, the Southern, the Schaefer's old Southern National Series kicks off its 14th season tonight. At the facility with a ten thousand win event and uh now, is that a dirt or an
0: asphalt
4: track that's a dirt track it's a it's a big wide uh half mile uh tan clay not red clay like we used to around here it's it's tan clay it's a it's a beautiful facility it's uh uh the browns they built it uh owned it since the seventies uh same family's run it the whole time Perry brown is his son is uh, involved in day-to-day operations of, of the track. And uh, it's just a super place, really fast place. Uh, and it's, uh, on this Schaefer's Oil Southern Nationals tour, what it is, it's like a, it's really a test of man and machine. It's, uh, it's a, a short, intense tour. And what they're going to do is they start tonight night, and they're going to run 11 events in 15 days. And and it's, you know, you gotta have your stuff together. Of course you to, to really run for the points, you'd need a backup car, backup engine, all the backup pieces you need. And um, but it's a it's a really intense deal. And this year they're running Virginia, Tennessee, Georgia. That's where all eleven races will be. Uh starts tonight at Whiff. uh concludes two weeks from today on July twenty eighth at Tazwell Speedway in Tennessee. And uh if anybody's familiar with, with Tazwell, it's one of the it's one of those bucket list dirt tracks that you've got to go to. It's, it's high banked. Uh, it's a third of a mile track. It's a great place to have the finale to the to the series. I mean, the lap times at Ties were like, I think the track record's 10 and a half seconds. I mean, it's a super fast running that place, and it's a great place to close out that series. Uh, Brandon Overton, who finished second at uh, Lucas Oil, Lake mile dirt series race last week at Cherokee, he's a defending champion of the Schaefer's Oil Southern Nationals. He's He told me last week that he was going to defend his title at uh for the Southern National stores. So he'll be a contender. Uh, one of them. You can't, getting started is hard to see who's going to make it all the way, make it the whole two weeks. Uh, may see some start out with the intention, have some trouble, fall off. You may see some that was just planning to run a couple of races, start out real good, and say, hey, we're running so good, let's go ahead and run the whole thing.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Uh, with this being really an endurance contest, is it more car-centric or driver-centric? And by that, I mean, does it matter that the car runs all the 11 races or the same driver runs all 11
4: races? Uh, same driver, same driver. And that's... Uh, like, I think anybody that's planning on going into this deal, running for the points, running the whole thing, they'd have two cars. And uh, because, you know, if you tear a car up one night and you go into a race the next night, you know, 100 miles or whatever away, you really you don't have time to really repair anything major. So you'd need to have a a backup car. So and then you got to I think this gets more into the, the mentality of the drivers because you know you just can't you may hold off on a super aggressive move to win a race tonight um if you're up in the points you know you may you may have to think you know maybe not go for the win if i can just settle here and run for second or third or you know you may get a driver that just has got in his mind you know and i'm gonna try to win as many of these things as i can and just uh you know go for it so it's 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 a I've always liked this tour, sort of modeled after sort of a mini version of the UMP Summer Nationals Tour, which is is just going to conclude tonight. And the UMP Summer Nationals Tour is Midwest-oriented out in, uh, you know, like Illinois, Indiana and everything, Ohio. And they generally run like 28, 30 races in 33, 34 days. And it's really a massive test of man and machine.
0: Well, how many of the 11 races do you think you'll
4: get to see? What I'm planning on is going to each Saturday event. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Whiff tonight for the opener. And, and next Saturday, I'm going to go to Scraven Motor Speedway in Sylvania, Georgia. And then I'm planning to go to Tazewell the following Saturday for the, the, the uh, finale. And each one of those are 10,000 win races. The races during the week are, I'm not sure... All the payoffs, but they're between they usually are between 3,500 to win. But I know the three Saturday races I'm playing on, they're all 10,000 to win. Wow! So, uh, and you know, when it's uh, the this series has got uh, a lot of history tied to our area, also because the I say it's the four, it's the 14th year of this tour. Uh, it was started by Ray Cook, who's a racer and promoter, raised race more promoter now than he is racer, but he still race every so often. But he started in 2005. He's ran con- consecutively, consecutively in the month of July ever since, every year. Spartanburg's Jeff Cook, uh, uh, who everybody knows, has anybody been to a dirt track or like Cherokee or anything over the years, familiar with Jeff Cook. He was the inaugural champion of the tour in 2005. Uh, Gaffney's Chris Madden is the series uh most prolific race winner with uh, 24 career victories in the series and uh to you, get to give you an idea of that number the man who's in second place on the all-time wins list is Casey Roberts out of Dakota Jordan. he's got 12 wins so Chris Madden's got double the wins of the second place man and uh and Madden's not a he's not running the series this year of course he's over on the World Outlaws tour but uh Madden also has the most championships in the Southern National Series with five. And uh, Pelzer's John Damport, who's the points leader in the Lucas Oil Series. He's got two uh, championships in the Southern National Series. So it's, it's got a lot of local ties. It's a, it's a southeast-based uh, series. Uh, it's varied between what tracks have ran over the years, but a lot of them have pretty much been locks every year. And this year it just so happens to be that the 11 races are in Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. I was going to say, any of the midweek races is going to be close to here? Uh, let's see. Probably. Hmm. Let's see. Bulls Gaps. Bulls Gaps coming up at again of the week. Bulls Gaps about two and time. a half. Yeah, it's two and a half, three hours. And uh, Scriven, it's it's three, three-and-a-half hours. I'd say probably the closest uh, for us in this area is probably about a two-and-a-half, maybe three-hour ride. That's maybe. still not bad for this kind of race. No. And,
0: and What's the distance of the race?
4: Uh, most of them are, are uh, 50 laps, I believe, 40, 50 laps, I believe. I think they, I think they vary uh, from one to the other. Uh, some, of them, some of them vary. It depends on, like, the, the pay uh, like the bigger paying races, there, of course, a little far like would be a fifty lap or whatever uh, uh
0: is it going to be the only show that night, or will there
4: be other races <laughs> there'll be there'll be support divisions like i I hadn't got listed what we' got down, but I think I read that they had four or five support divisions, and you've got to have uh support divisions run also just so there's time in between hot laps, qualifying for everybody to and heat races for everybody to work on their cars make adjustments
0: for everybody
4: to get their money's worth for the day That's right, because, I mean, there's a fine line between keeping someone at the track too long and then, you know, but you don't want them to feel like they didn't get their money's worth, too. You don't want to blow through a show and get done in just a couple of hours. See you later, bye. Yeah, and then you feel like, well, I just paid such and such money, and I don't, I don't feel like I got my money's worth, so, but then you don't want to sit there all night, either, you know, so there's there's a fine line, you know, and i think uh i think everybody tries to balance out a lot of times things come into play of course something crazy may happen you know maybe the water truck breaks down or you have a a, a lengthy caution and maybe maybe a wrecker breaks or something you know you just something you can't you know things you can't control But i think for the most part everybody tries to stay on cue and keep the show rolling you know and um uh, i said plan on hitting those three races of that. But moving on to our two regional Dirt Lake Mall tours, uh, they're also both off this weekend. Carolina Clash, Super Lake Mall Series. They're not back in action until Saturday, August 4th with a 4,000 win show at Lancaster Speedway. And uh, the ultimate Super Lake Mall Series will be back in action Saturday, July 28th at Dixie Speedway in Woodstock, Georgia for a 4,000 win show. And I'd like say this is time of year when you know some of the places and some of the tours you know, maybe schedule a a night off or something here and there because you know heat will will get you you know it'll it'll hurt your crowd and uh, i've seen where a couple of shows that ran last night at the midwest and you know, all they pushed their shows back a half hour hour you know just to try to beat the heat not keep everybody in the heat so long uh the lucas oil series ran last night at tri-city speedway in granite city illinois and uh, earl pearson jr from jacksonville florida took a twelve thousand dollar win Jimmy Owens, Tim McCready, Mason Ziegler, and Bobby Pierce rounded out the top five. And the point leader, Jonathan Davenport, finished in the ninth position. And uh, Lucas Oil Series be back uh, racing tonight. Uh, they're at their namesake racetrack, Lucas Oil Speedway in Wheatland, Missouri, for another 12,000-win event. And uh, the World Outlaws Craftsman Lake Mall Series ran last night at River City Speedway in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, both the national tours are kind of on this Midwest um swing right now that uh I know's got a big ruling for everybody that's from down this area like Madden, downport, anybody that's based around this area and you know, be gone racing a long way from home and so they're on that kind of a tough uh swing right now. Uh Mike Marler of uh Winfield, Tennessee was the winner last night, at the World Outlaws race. Uh Brandon Shepherd, Devin Moran, Ricky Weiss and Shane Clanton completed the top five night race. And uh, Marler and uh, Gaffney's Chris Madden were tied for the point lead going into the race last night. Uh, But unfortunately, Madden dropped out of the race on the 38th lap uh, due to some kind of mechanical problem. I was reading the race report. And uh, hopefully Madden and the Barry Wright race cars team can rebound tonight for a good finish at uh, Ogilvy Speedway in Ogilvy, Minnesota. And uh, let's see... uh, Oh and one thing I was wanting to mention, it's been a big buzz about, is uh after the fires of speculation were really stoked last Friday night when uh Mount Holly, North Carolina racer Chris Ferguson was was actively working on Scott Bloomquist's race car in the Pitts, Turkey Speedway, during the Looks Oil race last week. It was confirmed this week that Ferguson will be acquiring uh, two sweet Bloomquist cars and team up with Bloomquist for at least the rest of the season. Uh, Ferguson's family-owned team will run in select events, starting with the Prairie Dirt Classic at Fairbury American Legion Speedway in Fairbury, Illinois, during the weekend of July 27th 28 this That's when uh, Ferguson and and the family are planning on having the car ready to compete. And, of course, the Prairie Dirt Classic is a a huge fan favorite. The whole town gets into the race, and this is one that everybody looks forward to, Uh, drivers that have ran it say it's one of their favorite events of the year, so that'll be a good time for Ferguson and them to debut this this new deal. And I for one looking forward to seeing what this combination produces. Uh Ferguson's won big races. He's got Luke Soul wins. He's got World Outlaw wins. And uh he started out this year on the World Outlaws Tour running for rookie of the year. Uh they struggled on the tour. Uh I admitted that. They just uh, for varying reasons and uh they decided to abandon the tour Uh, a couple weeks ago, sold the Rocket chassis. They just said that was just a one-car team, sold the Rocket chassis. Uh, And they've teamed up with Bloomquist, going to acquire this sweet Bloomquist chassis. Uh, And anytime Scott Bloomquist is involved in a story, it's going to create some buzz. And this has been a big one ever since it came to light. So I'm just, uh, you know, best of luck to all parties involved in this endeavor. I hope it works out good for everybody. And uh, I think we're going to go... Move on to break and uh, come back uh, at the Bacon Drive-In uh, Fox Sports 1498.3 uh, studios here in Spartanburg. And I'll turn it back to you, Ronnie.
1: Right, we'll be back right after this break. Fox Sports 1400 now has an app. Like mozzarella sticks? No, it's an app for your phone. My phone is hungry? Okay so for the rest of you. Download the Fox Sports 1400 app today with our elite audio text line. Just search Fox Sports 1400 in Google Play or the App Store. Download our app today by searching Fox Sports 1400.
9: Throughout your life, you've worked hard to accumulate assets, to build wealth, and to provide for your family. You've built a comfortable life full of shared memories and experiences. Providing and protecting your loved ones is never more critical than when you aren't there to do so. While having a will is important, it's not the the only way that is why developing an. As-
2: uh, welcome back for the final segment of our monthly, I hope, two-hour edition of Start Your Engines. And uh, can I pat myself on the back? Sure. Well, uh, Go ahead. no, I, uh, Murphy's Law. What a great show. I mean, he just, he hit everything, uh, the, you know, uh, from North Dakota to, to Cherokee Speedway. I don't know, that's a lot of ground to cover. And uh, Gene, you just did a great job. Appreciate it. So you're appreciate a that. great asset
4: to the show. And uh, you be careful driving up to Virginia. I appreciate it. And I just, I just want to say, it's, you know, I, it's neat being in here with y'all and, and hearing the, the conversation, the interview this morning, Ricky Rudd and Greg talking about, you know, their history. I mean, it's just, it's just neat being a part of this and, and seeing this firsthand.
2: Greg. We'll get used to it. We couldn't get anybody for next week, so we had to settle for Daryl Waltram, <laughs> who will be our our guest next week, and uh, maybe we'll get a boogity 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 out of him. I don't know, but uh, great job, Gene.
3: Yeah, Thank you. fantastic. Go ahead, Greg. This put back. We we've always been wanting to do local stuff because our local guys. Uh, well, just like with talking Ernie, you know, it gives us opportunity for people to keep track of what our local guys, because there's a lot of people in Spartanburg area that race locally do real good. A lot of racing history in Spartanburg. We want to give people credit that run these short tracks, and some of them go on to bigger and better things. Done great. Thank you. Well, Thank what he you. pointed out last week, did I I guess I didn't really realize it. I should
2: have known it, but with all the cars built in cow at right, Barry Wright race cars, and Clements building all the engines, and the two top drivers being from right here in the area, I mean, we're we're doing better than we've ever done, or as well as we've ever done on this particular level. I mean, good grief, we got a lot of people that are, are following this, and uh, we, we got to wise them up to listen to our show and to read Gene's column, which they already do. That,
3: so we're gonna we're gonna build off of this for, yeah. with our local talent. Yeah, and I, I have I have read his column, but I didn't put two and two together. That was you, but Murphy's Law. We always had that hanging in the engine room. Murphy's Law all the time, because Murphy's Law applies to racing in, in, in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. What can go wrong will we'll go wrong at the worst possible time. Yeah. But, yeah, we're glad to have you on here. I'm glad to be here. Glad, glad to be a I part of it. And, Greg, you want to say a special thanks to somebody else. Well, uh, we got somebody that's actually a part of the team and been part of the team for a while. We're going to try to get him in here next week, see if we can get him to talk a little bit. But, uh, yeah, my cousin, Lanny McKinney. He's maintained uh, the the Bud Moore website uh, for years, and naturally, he automatically started doing stuff about the radio show at about the same time. And uh, but this year, he's he's even upped it more. And you can go to w what is it? www.budmoore.us or something like that. I, I'm not sure. Or anyway, but it, you can you Google Bud Moore, you'll get you'll yeah, find it. Yeah, and and you it's got Perry's books in there. Uh, it's got books. That even some other people wrote and uh, a lot of information. And we can't thank Lanny enough. And we're going to have him on here. Should have done had him on here. But anyway. But the thing is, the podcast is, is what. Yeah.
2: That's, what, that's the point I wanted to bring up. Yeah, you're true, right about all that. But as far as the show, Gene pointed out to me a couple of weeks ago, he said, Well, I listened to the. When we first did this, we first discussed it. The next time I talked to Gene, he said, Well, I listened to a couple of the shows on the podcast. And I said, What podcast? <laughs> I didn't I didn't know we had one. And um so he told me how to find it and it's real easy, you know, if you got a smartphone and I pulled up the podcast and I listened to like three or four shows last week. I listened to the Cale Yarborough show and the Jerry Punch. He doesn't have them all, but one that he does have, we were having technical trouble because we record all the shows. And we were having trouble recording the one we did live from Holden Marine, sitting out there in the boat in the parking lot. And that was fun. We got pictures from it. Yeah, and, and it was Dale Inman who did all that talking about the racing at the fairgrounds and Billy Wade and Ed Jarrett. He's got it. So we weren't able to get it here, and he's always served as a backup. Yeah, well, and uh, and so we we need to get we need to get him on the show and uh, pull up our podcast. Gosh, I listened
3: well, to three of them this week. Like I say, uh, Lanny, uh, you know he's he's the direct family member. Uh, his mother, uh, Bud's oldest sister, and uh, Lanny just done wonders. He's just done wonders for this thing, and uh, we just he's a, he's a big part. And you uh, talk about
2: an unsung hero, right. I'd say he's it. Because uh, he's doing stuff we nobody asked him to do, and and nobody's giving him anything for it, except we're going to give him some credit. Yeah, yeah. And, and get him in all... here.
3: Get him in here in the next few weeks. Well, he, he's another one of our vol- uh, uh, faithful volunteers that does a lot for the love of racing. Uh, that's what it is. I mean,
2: uh, I might accidentally sell a book through this, and... Uh, I know you're doing it for the love of race, and I'm doing it for the love to, to, to preserve the history, which is all I'm about, really, with the books I write and everything. And, and Gene um, knows the history and the local stuff. And, and Ronnie, of course, he's been here since the start, pushing the button. So um, and we, got good, we got a good four-man operation
3: here, but I didn't know it was a five-man operation. Yeah, yeah. And we got to get Lanny in here. But Lanny, he, he come to the shop. Uh, when my aunt Helen was alive, which she uh, passed away several years ago, but he come by the shop religiously every Monday or Tuesday after the race to see what happened, and uh, he, he's probably the biggest at out of, out of all the family. One of the biggest supporters of the whole thing. <laughs> I can't thank him enough. We'll get him on here. Well, we're going thank him. we will go thank him, enough. and we'll get Daryl on here too. But I'm, gonna, that, say, I'm gonna say, look, Lanny, now that'll be a catch. With, yeah, well, Lanny'll be easier to catch than Daryl.
2: Oh, yeah, well, so would uh, the Loch Ness Monster. Well, yeah. but uh, I mean, we're going to have to hypnotize Daryl to yeah.
3: get him in here. But you know what? Daryl could have some fascinating stories. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, you know, I was talking about the, the, the Budweiser commercial with Dale Jr. several years ago about taking the guys for a ride, mm-hmm. and the guy that was really, that really happened. And it was Richard Petty and Daryl. It was Darlington. Richard was running pretty hard and had a reporter that did been wanting to do it, aggravating, aggravating. And you know, daryl he was hanging on the row bars. He was small, and there was a guy sitting in the back seat. And they didn't know if that was guy was calling an ambulance. He didn't know whether to laugh or cry or whatever. And Richard and them laughed. And it, 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 that was back in the, like, 64. And it lasted, went through the garage area, lasted long enough to make a commercial with Dale Jr. So, Daryl has got some tails well i want to hear some uh,
2: about him running around with my brother well we we'll we able have talk about some of that <laughs> i think with uh Daryl had that uh, that g t o and the uh
3: reduced reduced it than a four speed had to hide it because y'all were running Fords. yeah you know with Pontiac we uh what was it from uh, 60 what, what, till uh yeah till 63 yeah and we won the, only know, won two championships two championships win it and with it and then we went to mercury and when we got down to daytona you know daryl had a, a brand new uh you know gto and impacted people you know that that was your sponsor back then you had to have them and uh they, they just told us we're we'll going take no chances parking on the other side of the castle way. And Barry remembers that motel it was but it was—the king of the motels back then. But had we the didn't—we didn't, didn't need the Ford people to see it. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, Daryl, Daryl, get on the show. Tell some good stuff. Well, that'll
2: that'll be a real catch to get Daryl. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch on a few things that happened last week and what's going to happen in the future. Uh, they did run the Indy cars last week at Iowa in the Iowa Corn Three Hundred, and James Hinchcliffe. Sort of made a little bit of amends for missing, uh, for getting bumped out on bump day at Indianapolis by winning, and uh, a couple of accidents. But it was it was pretty much uh, running around in the cornfield uh, with um, uh, Scott Dixon is still leading in the points over Joseph Newgarden and Alexander Rossi. But uh, they will be in Toronto this week on the road course, and that'll be at 3 p.m. on NBC Sports Network. Tomorrow.
3: Yeah, and I watched that race, uh that Perry's talking about uh and it, it wasn't a bad race. Like I say, well, The Indy Cars are great. I mean, they put on a good show, and I'm I might be out of Daryl goes on a lot of trips with his wife. They they do uh uh it's a it's an organization she belongs to, I'm trying to think the name of it. But she's way up and and they actually got to see a few laps several years ago of them running around Toronto Toronto with the IndyCars. Mm-hmm. And Darrell said they're pretty pretty wicked. Oh, that's where they'll be pretty
2: tomorrow. Wicked. And then if you want to wake up early enough, the um, or or last week the uh, they ran the British Grand Prix, which Gene had to bail me out on because I didn't I didn't write down where they were running. And Sebastian Vettel won that. Yep. And one of the big uh, accomplishments I did this week, you know, we have a, an American team running with uh, the Haas Ferraris, and uh, you know Ferrari is a sold a sold a bunch of equipment to Haas because, you know, they don't normally do that. But uh Kevin Magnussen is running ninth into points, but I could not and I've always stumbled for two or three years now over their other driver, which is spelled Romaine Gross Jean. But I Googled it last night and and as a lady will pronounce it for you several times and it's Roman Roshan. So I wasn't even close. But Roman Roshan drives the other Ferrari and uh At the British Grand Prix, Magnussen was ninth, so he did pick up a point. And Roman Grosjean finished out of the points, but they will be running at Hockenheim, Germany, next next uh, next next week. See, I screwed up again. It's next week or today or tomorrow. Yeah, I can't remember. um, They might be taking a week off. I don't know. How's Hamilton running? Uh, Well, I got the points right here, Greg. I'm glad you asked. Hamilton is um, second in points, eight behind. And it looks like it's coming down between Vettel and Hamilton because uh, Kimi um, Rockinen is uh, 55 points back, and that's pretty far. And finally, um, of course, we know the cup cars last week ran at Daytona and tore up all the cars. But they'll be at 2 o'clock tomorrow. um, And... uh, at Kentucky, I'm sorry, tonight at Kentucky. I'm sorry, tonight at Kentucky. And next Sunday, they'll move the, a track you don't care much for, Loudon, New Hampshire.
3: <laughs> no, I don't. I, and I know y'all used to I, talk about that. It um, a good time uh, for me and the pilot to go buy some shoes. They had a Bass, Bass shoes store. <laughs> not Bass, stock I mean, um, that, that, that's where they made them. We'd go get us a couple of pairs of shoes and finally make it out the racetrack. And that's pretty much when I would The crew chief got to be the team manager that day.
2: Um, I wanted to make one more comment on the the finish last week when they tore up all the cars at, at Daytona. Third place went to AJ Almondinger and fifth place went to Chris Boucher. And those were two cars, their team cars, 37 and, and 47 of uh, Brad Daugherty, the used to play uh, for University of North Carolina, played for the Cleveland Cavaliers, African American car owner, and um, that car is owned by also. Um, three other gentlemen, so it's called JTG Darty Racing. But Brad's the most visible one, mainly because he's about nine feet tall, and um, good announcer too.
4: Yeah, Gene. Oh, just to jump in, uh Hockenheim is next. Uh, is uh, 22nd. twenty next second. Twenty well, second. See, I, I, he's my backup. He's my
2: Grand Prix backup. <laughs> <laughs> but um I love doing the two hour show, fellas. It worked. I think it worked out real well. I think, I think it worked real good. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah, worked worked real good. We can get a. Some more of these. We can do some more interviews. We can definitely beef up the local stuff. Uh, Ricky Rudd was great. Don't forget next week, Daryl Walter, who, uh, Hall of Famer, and you don't get much bigger than Daryl, and we appreciate
3: it. And we're pretty sure we're going to get Paul Menard the week following. And I know the week after that, I talked to Becky. We're going to talk to somebody within NASCAR circles, whether it be Elton or somebody, and they tell us what all... What are they going to do to fix this thing?
2: We appreciate everybody listening. Take it easy this week. And um, come back. Visit with us next Saturday morning on Start Your Engines. And in the meantime, keep it between the fences.
1: the home of Open Mike Daily is Fox Sports 1400. WSPG Spartanburg. This is all I can hold on now on FM at 98.3. Fox Sports
9: trending now. Angelique Kerber took the first set from Serena Williams 6-3 at the Wimbledon.